All right, cool. Well, uh, welcome to Straightening the Record. Um, this one's coming out a bit late because um, without going into too much detail or calling anyone out, uh, I had somebody request that I not uh, publish an interview with them. Uh, just went off the rails a little bit and they weren't comfortable having stuff out there that they said. And uh, I'm always respectful of that. But I wanted to have something out this month for posterity. And I thought, you know, I just put out a record a few weeks ago. And uh, August is my birthday month. Um, and so I thought, you know, as much as I usually am uncomfortable doing uh self-promotion in general with this podcast. It's usually not about me, but this month it is. And I'm joined by a fellow Leo here, uh, our friend Nick Frampton, who uh, some folks may have heard in the Field Division episode as well a few months ago. You want to say hi, Nick? Yes. Hello. Thank you, Forrest, for having me. No, no, thank you. Um, and and uh, so in addition to being... Um, a portion of Field Division, Nick also produces records and mixes records for other people. And uh, he and I worked on an album for the for my solo project, Forest and Family, for, well, I, I guess we started recording, I, I want to say, in 2017 or so. Is that Does that sound right? See, I feel like I was looking back and I feel like it was actually... Was it 2018? I think it was late 18, yeah. Okay. Um, and then... It was like October 18, I think we started doing some pre-production stuff. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so so between late 2018 and I guess the very last track that was put into the album would, would have been last summer. Uh, and... Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, the way that I thought I would start this off was, uh, I sort of remember when I asked you to do the project, it was when um, you and Evelyn were living in Des Moines for a spell, and I think it was um, at the time that you were gearing up to do the release show for uh, Dark Matter Dreams, and you were at Mars Cafe putting together the... Uh, the setup for like doing a cut like a a special coffee for oh right the yeah. release and mm -hmm. i think i after you were done doing your meeting with daniel i i sort of came up and quietly asked you how long you were going to be around and did you want to do a record and um i don't remember exactly how i explained what i had in mind but I just remember saying, like, I'd like you to produce it and I'd like you to play drums on everything because I think you're the only drummer I know who can, like, do justice to all of the styles that are likely to be going on this. And uh, do you remember at all what you kind of went away from that with? Like, what what was your feeling? Did you have any expectations or... Did you kind of just like be like, okay, maybe that'll happen? 
Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I remember it was during a spell of living in Iowa. You're very right. I mean, um, and I, I mean, I remember being very excited at the prospect because you don't have, have to on, say that. No, no, we were, <laughs> we've worked on we've worked on recordings before, you know, with with people like Stephen Fisk and, and stuff and for your other project, Lonely Cub. And mm-hmm. I always had a good time working with you, but to uh I knew that what we were about to do was like going to be a journey, basically, you mm. know, like because I didn't have a recording studio in Des Moines. I was like working out of a suburban house. And so I knew that we would we would wind up having fun, probably recording in some pretty odd places. But like that's the magic of a lot of recordings is like just making do with what you have and like going for it. So, um, no, I I don't remember that day specifically being the day that you asked me, but that. That rings a bell now. I think that's when it was anyway. Uh, I know that I asked you at Mars, but I don't, I, and that's, that's the best recollection that I have is that, that it was when you were around talking about the Dark Matter Dreams coffee. Um, Cause I don't think you guys were coming around Mars much otherwise. Mm. Um, just cause yeah. I assume just cause it was like a long drive from where you were staying. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, like... Definitely a little bit out of the way. Shouts out, Mars Cafe. You, Evelyn, and I have all worked there. Yes. Um, <laughs> all at different periods, yes. separately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I believe not only the first track on the album, but also the first track that we worked on was uh, Cigaretticate in F, um, which... I I remember I I listened back to the demo that I recorded on on your like uh on your little XY Zoom recorder and I I sort of accidentally played the pop punk version in the new key. And then at the end, I was explaining to you how that was totally like the wrong groove. And <laughs> like, this is all in the demo where I was just like, but actually, okay, but actually it's going to be more like this. And I played like two bars of the the real groove. So it's like, it, I'm thinking more of like. It. We went into the recording session, I think, with you having very little idea of what you were supposed to play, and um, <laughs> I think I think maybe of the four people that were in that session, Patrick might have been the only one who knew what it was supposed to sound like. Yeah, that makes sense because his feel was very, at like it was very uh, apparent, like. Uh-huh. The swing that he had in his feel and like the kind of hammer-ons that he was doing. I was like, okay, this feels like... Oh, and I remember the moment that you were like, whatever you do with this this song, just make it sound like Crest in Iowa. And so I was just like, mm-hmm. I felt like I had a pretty good idea of what to do at that point. Was that was that in that session or was that when we were at that the was mixing later. stage? Yeah, that was later for sure when you mentioned Creston. But, um, 
but as far as feel, yeah, I definitely, I definitely followed Patrick mm. um, at the instance of that. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I remember being really excited about how that session went because uh, we, we did it live with, with you playing drums, uh, Patrick playing acoustic guitar, my dad on bass and me just singing all in the room. And I don't think we did a shitload of takes on it either. Like, I think it came together pretty quickly. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And then we just did a, just a whole mess of, uh, guitar overdubs. And I think maybe you put some tambourine on it. Um, cause you're always pretty good at like noticing where a tambourine would fit into a song. And, uh, and then you, you did some harmonies too, which I don't think I like, again, that was one of those things where you were like, I think I could do some harmonies here. And I was like, dude, if, yeah, if you have an idea, you should, because I like just didn't, didn't think about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I think uh, in any case of this whole like this whole record, when I would think of a harmony part, it's just solely because I'd be listening to it in my car and I would just always harmonize either in my head or out loud like to certain lines. I'm like, hmm, might have to ask him about that and see. If, nice, you know, see if it's so. It, so it was usually like a pretty organic thing of you're just you're just singing along and like you kind of drift to a harmony. Yeah. That's super yeah, cool. Definitely. That's super cool. I don't think that was something that we'd discussed before. Um, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, once in a while, uh, after you'd moved away, you would kind of be like, I think there was maybe one song where like, I actually said, I want harmonies on this before you had moved away. Uh, I think it was Beachwood. Mm-hmm. I think Beachwood, yeah. I knew that it should have a harmony, but yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on cigarette etiquette? Um, no. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So mo- other than the fact, other than the fact that like cigarette cigarette etiquette was probably one of my favorite sessions out of all of them. Just like to play with your dad and Patrick. Like I'd never played with Patrick before, and yeah, I don't know. It was just a really fun time. Sick. Yeah, it was. That was a really really good session. Um, and then, yeah, moving out and back was an interesting one because I think I finished writing it while you were in the room with me, like with everything set up. Like I, I literally wrote a couple of the chords in front of you and then we just did it just guitar and drums to kind of map the thing out. Yeah. And then like really the the mvps on that one were were v and ryan man yeah absolutely uh, um cuz i didn't i didn't have the like the the keyboard slash guitar melody that kind of ends up tying the whole thing together was all ryan and then like mm-hmm. v's bass lines are just so beautiful and melodic
And they really just like, I don't think, I think they said they didn't even really practice the song. They just like maybe listened to the mix a couple of times and just ripped it. Yeah. Um, which is amazing because they played exactly the bass parts that like, if I had practiced for like six hours or more on that song, I might've played that good of a bass part, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it was like, yeah. it was pretty much exactly what I was hearing in my head. And I, I remember just being astounded watching them lay that down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying that as well in the session. You're just, you're just like, this is pretty much exactly what I had in mind. Thank you, V. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ryan's melody, they doubled on his OP. OP1. Um, I, th- I believe, yeah, yeah. OP1. Um, just works so well. And, like, really, I think it really captures the vibe. I don't know. It makes me think of Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I couldn't remember if I discussed the fact that that was about Portland with you, but, but maybe you knew from the Rose city line or, or maybe I, maybe we did discuss the subject matter. I can't remember. Um, I don't think we ever did actually, but I think I just gathered that after somebody listens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean like, cause I remember when I wrote it just with the boom Chuck feel and whatnot. And I was really, I was like partially, sort of emulating something that Steven would have done around the time that he moved out to Portland. And also like, cause you know, he wrote just a whole mess of songs between 2012 or like 2010 and 2013, probably that had that chuck feel, you know, uh, yeah. at various tempos and mostly in a minor. I I did <laughs> F sharp minor for some reason. I think actually, you know, this is a this is a side note, but uh, Tom Morello says that F sharp is the most rocking key. Hmm. <laughs> F sharp minor, I think he means. Oh, F sharp minor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's he he says that F sharp minor is the most rocking key. I watched an excerpt of his uh, uh, master class. Thing. and uh he like he does all of his improvisations in that master class in f sharp minor because he thinks it's the most rocking key wow um so but, did that influence or did you see that no that was later? that was like way more recent i just i think yeah. i i think the idea was because it was support it was sort of based off of i think i actually wrote um moving on and up first and that was in f major and i had i had some weird stoned music theory tangent that went on in my brain where i was like okay like i'm gonna this this version this thing is in d minor slash f major and so i'm gonna make this other thing in d major which then like is actually F sharp minor or something like that. It was like some really weird, like I said, when, when I think about music theory, when I'm high late at night, there's usually some sort of bizarre, like, um, roundabout ways that I get to interesting conclusions. But, um, I think that was one of those things where I just wrote that main riff while I was like watching TV at two in the morning, you know? And, and mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, it's going to be like a Neil Young thing. 
you know and that was the idea that i had was like it's steve and it's also neil young and yeah, uh yeah and then it it sounded very little like either of those things by the end but i think that's for the better i think my dad still thought it sounded like neil young because of the rhythm and stuff but um i mean specifically i think your rhythm guitar yeah and the chunkiness of it you know it's just like that's immediately what i think of too yeah yeah um but yeah i mean by the time we did like a couple of guitar overdubs and i think i doubled the vocal but otherwise it, it like that one came together so quickly and sounded so amazing um mm -hmm. and that was another one where it was just like just I don't know, serendipitously getting the right people to hear what the song needed, and it just just happened. Yeah. Um, um, track three was good one, which was pretty much just you and me, and then Carolyn uh, doing the harmony. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think we recorded it at my dad's because and I can't remember if it was because I wanted access to his bass rig or if I was thinking about having options for those floor toms um cuz I think we had like 3 or 4 floor toms lined up and we ended up picking like two that we thought sounded the coolest or something mhm mm yeah and that was I think that's correct that was another thing where you didn't really know like I I'm I'm sort of bad at explaining drum parts in the first place and um and I think I we you sort of just figured out what I was going for after like the bass part and the guitar part were down if mm -hmm. I remember correctly and I was Yeah. Yeah, I remember that cuz you were you're basically wanting a more tribal thing with no like, you know, backbeat or whatever. So I was like it took me a bit to figure out how to make that sound groovy at all, you know, right. with just like a downbeat thing, but it sounds great because of the what you're doing on the on the twelve string acoustic mm -hmm. um, provides the the groove or whatever. So, well, yeah, and also just the fact that like you, we had the two different floor toms and you mixed them very differently. I think as well as them sort of sounding differently in the first place. Um, so that it really creates a lot of texture, I think. Yeah, I think I just put a little more reverb on one of them, and <laughs> I, I think like we basically like one of them is kind of like the concrete drum that you can count on being there. The whole, and then the other drum is kind of an accent drum, but they work together in yeah. portions of the song as well. But but yeah, that was a fun one to kind of like piece together. I remember that day; it was like. It was definitely a multi-tracking event, you know, like down to the the bridge with the weird harmony and the weird changes. That you yeah. Heard. Like that was, that bridge always captures me. I'm just like, whoa, where are we going? Yeah. And it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And that, that bridge is the reason that it wasn't a Janucci power song like five years ago as well, because I could not figure that bridge out. I knew like the first four chords of it maybe. I was like, this is what it, how it's supposed to start. You know, it's supposed to like feel floaty, but then mm -hmm. we tried like 
I don't know, three or four different chord changes for that bridge and none of them felt right. And then finally, whatever, four, four years later or something, you, you helped me finish it out. Cause I think you literally just proposed the last two chords or something that, that just kind of tied it together and brought it back into the chorus that I was having trouble finding. And I'm, and I feel great about it because I think it, I think what we got ended up sounding awesome. And I think if, if I hadn't had you doing the like 12 string lead that doubles the melody and doing the slide thing and stuff like that, it it really might not have uh, come out nearly as beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Didn't we use your dad's or yours? Uh, Gretsch hollow body for that bridge wasn't it like laying around that orange one it might have been yeah I think that's the guitar that we used it sounds awesome yeah um, and then it's it's funny because I guess like in a way I sort of expected people to gravitate towards that because it's one of the only ones that has just a regular chorus but um, but it still surprises me how consistently people have been telling me that it's their favorite song on the record. Yeah. I did not expect that. <laughs> I mean, I had no expectations, but yeah. But yeah, that one's like genuinely a fun one to listen to. I don't know. Hell yeah. Um, so silent agreement is next. Um, and that was, I'm, I'm trying to think what there really is to say about that one. Aside from like, I was just feeling heavy Father John Misty vibes when I wrote it and trying to like get I don't know into his spirit a bit and like make something really moody. And uh mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how this one came together. This was another one that we did I think with just you and I and then with with Ryan and V overdubbing later and uh and Again, it was just one of those things where like I felt like I didn't have to do much to to make it come out because the three of you just kind of got it to where it needed to be with the exception of the piano track that took us like a year and a half to to get <laughs> somebody to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um man, yeah, that that one's I'm trying to think. Man, I have to like actually listen to it just for a moment yeah because i think i was actually i think i was confusing moving out and back with silent agreement in terms of like how much space there is earlier Isn't it strange how you always turn out the light? 
these base part kind of just like butters it up really nicely. Mm, it um, does. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to recall. Yeah, this was when we were just in your room, just you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, one evening, um, just having a ball. But uh, what else is going? Oh yeah, then. Uh, uh, does Carolyn have some cool backgrounds in there too? I think V does the the harmonies on that. Oh, right. We, okay. We had them like I think we took a smoke break after the rhythm tracks were done, and V was like, you know, do you do you want me to do any vocals on this? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know what. Like I don't know what to tell you to do. And they were kind of just like, well, I can do however much you want. Like I can harmonize with myself. I can do like three, four part if you want. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, you know? And <laughs> again, just letting them do exactly what they felt would be right. And it and it was, and it was beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So once again, an example of my favorite things on the record not being things I did. Uh, you know, just hearing those those harmonies in the chorus, it really thickens it up fills it out, makes it feel like a whole other space, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember having some idea that I, like, really wanted some kind of strings or maybe, like, synth strings on it. And once those vocals were in there, it was like, man, I, I don't really... I don't... We don't need that shit anymore. Yeah. Kind of took the place sure. of those pads that I had in mind. Yeah. Kind of like sets you sailing a little bit. Yeah. It's good. Um Okay. So Beachwood song is is next. And yeah. that would have been I think that would that would be like that one and Cigaretticate would have been maybe the only ones that I wrote completely by myself. Like no, no help from you or any other. Oh yeah, because I should say, silent agreement. Uh, Courtney and Ryan and I were hanging out one night, and Courtney helped me figure out the uh, the second verse. I had two. I had words that I couldn't get to fit within the rhythm, and friend of the podcast Courtney Krauss came through in the clutch on that one because. For some reason, I was just like having so much trouble squeezing those words into the second verse, and so she, she like, was like, "Well, what if it's like this?" I rush, you know. It was basically just that thing of like getting that one line to to breathe a little bit more. And anyway, yeah, Beachwood song was like a real quick thing, and I knew pretty much immediately what it was supposed to like. That was one of the only things where. I was really sure about how it ought to sound and between you and Jay and Sean and Ben, uh, it came together pretty much just like I was hoping it would. Um, yeah, that was a fun session with playing with Sean and yeah. And Jay, cause they were both there at the same time. Yeah. That was another one where we just did it live. 
but yeah, that was a fun. That song just cruises, man. It kind of sm- kind of slaps, you know. Yeah, I I fully agree. It it's one of those where like, especially once you got that the like the drum fill at the beginning, like super nicely dialed in and like it it really does slap once once that's all really tight and stuff. Um mm-hmm. that was one of those things where yeah, once it was dialed in, I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that's the thing." <laughs> um Yeah, and, and we recorded this track up uh in Ankeny. Yeah. At Jay's at, rehearsal slash recording studio. Yeah. Um, which, which I understand they don't have anymore. Yeah. But I think it, it remains, the whole building is just like a rentable rehearsal space. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and I remember using Cameron's drums. Mm. They had these humongous, I think it's like a 26 inch kick. Yes. Like yeah, it John is. Bonham style Ludwig set. And, uh, I don't know. I think it made this song better. Was, better. was um, that the only one where you didn't use your own kit or like, I guess, I guess it would have been Beachwood and Aqua self since those were the same session. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only instance that I didn't use my own kit. I think I brought my own snare or something, you know, my, maybe my, my own hi hats, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, had a lot of fun using Cameron's gear. And then if you listen really closely uh, to the guitar solo for Beachwood song, there's literally like six or eight lead guitars on that. <laughs> yeah. Because once we got Ben in to do his overdubs, I think the following day, uh, he just like, this was the one where I had given him a demo, a terrible demo uh, to, to listen to and write parts to. And he somehow took that awful, terrible, sloppy, shitty sounding demo that I sent him and just like wrote some fantastic licks and, uh, a really, really cool solo for it. And so I wanted to give Ben props because every time he sort of like asked if he could add another layer, it was like, yeah, yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> what you're doing is perfect. Yeah. And not only that, he came like prepped to deliver several versions of the solo. Like what kind of style of solo do you want? And he had stuff just like rip roar and ready to present, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if he spent time working it up beforehand, but I think he did. I appreciated it. I think he must've. Um, and I think he's, he's one of, one of the few, uh, musicians we had on the record who actually did do a bit of homework. Uh, (laughs) and, but then when we had him, and I guess this is skipping forward a little bit, but when we had him do Aqua Self, he had never seen or heard that one before. Like, I think I think I slapped the chord sheet in front of him and said, you want to try this as well? And, and that one, he just did it really well 
off the off the out of the gate. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, any other thoughts on Beechwood song? Mm. I really like the way your vocal blends in the in the choruses. I think I think that's uh, there's something really nice about the way it sits there. Mm. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I think that was. I don't know. I don't remember. Did you ask for a harmony to be there, or was that I, another instance where I was like, I think I hear this. I don't remember. I feel like I asked for it because I yeah. because I felt like my melody because it's sort of uh not stagnant but it's not it's not like a busy moving a lot melody. I thought it could maybe use a little something to beef it up or like make it sound more uh exciting. Mhm. Yeah, I think it definitely works. Um and it was kind of fun to once again, employ like some pop punk mm. vocal tone. Thing, yeah. You know? um, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun, fun tune. Thunder in the Summer is next, which. Uh, Interestingly, I guess th- this is the only one that you don't play anything on. You just recorded the the nature sounds as it were and and then a uh, friend of the podcast Huxley Maxwell and I got together and uh did some sampler stuff and uh just kind of filled it out. Um which I think works so well. Like that is a that's like a moment in the record where I'm like really proud to say that I didn't play anything, you know, there's like, yeah. and there's not a lot going on, but I think that's whatever synth tone you guys chose. And I don't know, it's really nostalgic. It makes me really nostalgic. Yeah. I feel the same way. And it's sort of funny. Cause I, I think the way that Huxley got interested in being on the record was I played them a rough mix of good one. And they were like, oh, that's really cool. I want to do something on that. And I was like, well, there's nothing really for you to do on it, but there's this other thing maybe you would like to be involved in. And they, yeah, they brought over their sampler and like a little keyboard. And they were like, okay, pick two chords. And then we're going to sample the individual notes of those chords. And so I think, I think I picked like D minor and A minor because those are just chords that I kind of gravitate towards as a, really shitty keyboard player i i always like to stick to the white the white keys <laughs> um and uh and so so i just picked those two chords and we kind of sampled the like i don't know five or six notes that exist between those two chords and um and then just did different combinations of them until it sounded cool enough <laughs> hmm. wow that's really surprising to hear that you guys landed on two minor chords because the, the whole thing just feels kind of like it doesn't feel that sad like deliberately but it makes me sad <laughs> it makes me nostalgic but well i no, think it feels like hopeful in a way i think that it's somewhat of a misconception that minor chords are inherently sad sounding <laughs> you know I don't think there's a I don't think there's an actual correlation there but like I guess it's like an easy th- way to describe those feelings to somebody who's new to 
music, but like, I don't know. I guess I love minor chords and they never, they never really make me think sad. They just, to me, they feel settled. They, they feel like, uh, mm. mellow maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, contemplative, but yeah. But yeah, I, I like, like I said, I just, I just always gravitate towards the white keys if I have a keyboard in front of me and, uh, but I don't necessarily gravitate towards C major. So the, mm-hmm. the next, the next <laughs> thing is, is D minor. And I, I don't know. I always love D minor anyway. I think there's a bunch of D minor on this record. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> So, well, yeah, and that was that was a the audio, the nature sounds was after we had gotten done recording at your dad's. Yeah, for good one. Yeah, and I think he had seen that you had the uh, the field recorder, and he kind of said something like, "Cause he came home during the good one session, and he was just up in his room listening to us doing individual." percussion tracks and guitar tracks and shit and then like as you were packing up he was there was the thunder coming in and he was kind of like "Ooh, that'd be kind of cool to record and you were just (laughs) like well (laughs) here it is (laughs) yeah so yeah another kind of moment of just serendipity of just like something happening yeah and i think that's why this record feels so good to listen to is that there's a lot of stuff that's spontaneous and not like overly orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the record kind of needed a, a breath of fresh air, like the th- thunder in the summer does mm. uh, deliver. I mean, it's just, it's nice to zone out to that after such a banger as Beachwood. And then, to kind of like fall into the next song, which is Aqua Self. I think it just works really well. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a, it is a good transition into Aqua Self. I think it's related keys. I think it's like similar textures between the keyboard sounds and stuff like that. Um, and it works pretty well. Um, and <laughs> the, this is one of the few things I thought of before uh, we had this conversation is uh, I remember when you sent me I think it was when you sent me the first rough mix of Aqua Self. You were like, "Dude, this song is DTF." <laughs> yeah. And and I was like, "Yeah, you're absolutely right." <laughs> uh, yeah, especially that first line. The bruise is still throbbing from where you didn't even bite me hard. It was a good time. A roller coaster ride that leveled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which absolutely. is, I think, one of the lines that I'm the most proud of. Like, that's that's one of the few things that, that I'm like, yeah, I, I wrote that, you know? I wrote that sexy mm-hmm. motherfucker of a lyric. <laughs> <laughs> My bruise is still throbbing. From where you didn't even bite me hard. Yeah, <laughs> and Love I it. and I sort of wrote that in quotes. I don't know if you hear that with the way I sang it, but like, didn't even bite me hard is like in quotes, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, because I 
because yeah, I th- I I thought how funny, how ironic, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, like I said, Ben totally ripped on this solo. This is like my my favorite guitar performance I think on the whole record is Ben doing this very Pink Floydy guitar solo on this tune. Sean's bass part is really funky too. Man, yeah, playing playing that groove with Sean, and, and like hearing his pickup notes, the the boom, the boom, the boom, like those little pickups. Yeah, really gave me gave the gave me the opportunity to like lay out because like he's providing that that um, subdivision, you know, in that way. But as far as the groove goes, like this might be one of my favorite ones to listen to just between the bass and the drums like yeah um just the sparseness and how we played off each other in that moment yeah i think it's it was this was all tracked live yeah um with the exception of dixon and and of course your maybe your overdub vocal yeah yeah yeah, i think i i think i must have done a, a few vocal takes after everybody left or at a later date i sort of forget and yeah. and then Carolyn did uh do some some harmonies for the oh yeah the bridge as well bridge that's right um just like it's such a tight little song but I'm really really proud of it you know yeah, it's like it's like two minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> Spotify says two o five. Yeah, Dixon's solo on that is just so slinky, like, mm-hmm. and you can just like hear the str- like the string noise and where there's like a little bit of like not fumbling, but like maybe slight apprehension. But like, it's just I love it. I love listening to like all the intricacies of it. Yeah, and um, well, and I think that. I think that thing that you just pointed out of of that there's maybe a little bit of hesitation in a couple of the licks of that solo uh kind of accentuates the the mood of the you know the story that's being told as well um, yeah where it's about sort of an awkward situation of like yeah this person got too drunk and didn't remember what you know the interaction that we had or something and and so it's it's one of those things where you're like oh shit how do i handle that and uh Uh, uh and i think that sort of translates um yeah totally it's very tense provides more tension yeah like because he he did a i think but i believe he did like three or four different solo takes and we're like Nah, man, that that one. I think this one that we chose was like the most uh, minimalistic. You mm. know? Like, it was just, it felt more intentional and less busy yeah. than the other ones. But well, I always yeah. gravitate towards less busy playing too. Like uh, as often mm-hmm. as possible. I think, with the exception of where do I draw the line, where I was just trying to get him to rip as hard as he could. Um, <laughs> uh, Jay, that is Jay. Uh, 
I think with the exception of that lead in particular, I'm I'm always attracted towards leaving some space, you know, the cliche of like music is what happens between the notes or something. Like there's a lot of I'm I'm always attracted to that sort of leaving space, leaving atmosphere, having stuff like that. So Yeah. And yeah, where do I draw the line is the complete opposite of that. But uh when I when I wrote that song, I wanted it to be like a eighties Leonard Cohen style thing where it's like very slow and plodding. And then I realized I had a bunch of slow songs on this record already. And uh <laughs> and that maybe it would work to speed it up and make it this kind of country rock thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Definite like train train beat happening on that one. Yeah. It's really really fun. Um and I think we like landed on a descriptor that was pretty accurate, but that one that song turned out pretty like crusty, you know. Crispy or crispy, I think was the right. I think when when Jay was doing his lead tracks, I just told him nastier. Yeah. A lot. And I think by by like take 7 or 8, he had just got gone full gross and was barely playing country anymore at all. He was just like <laughs> adding effects and just bending the shit out of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> And uh, and I remember my dad sort of came up with the the little ending thing, and he was because he's like the only person who really listens to country out of us, my dad, and and so he sort of he sort of thought we should do this little ending thing, but but then he always assumed that I would add another where do I draw the line at the end during that, and I was like no, I already said it six times. <laughs> yeah so yeah i think that was it's a nice little setup for the ending yeah i think yeah what is it it's just like an extra couple bars yeah like, and it's like it's like a, a shortened version of the chord progression from the verses too it's oh right it's yeah. like like it's all the same chords but it goes by faster somehow um that's right and then the mm-hmm. classic dan dun, dan which i think you missed the last hit on it and we were just like that's kind of funny yeah well yeah there were a couple i was toying with like a like the idea of not hitting the last beat hitting the and a four and then letting all the guitars just like hit that last uh-huh. note. um so what so you're saying and- it was very intentional it actually, it actually was that that particular take of the drums was that was intentional, um, but live it didn't plan out the first couple times. Like I was trying to do that, but um, it wasn't very smooth. <laughs> but I, I like it, and that's that's a phenomenon that my my dad often refers to as the raggedness of authenticity, uh, <laughs> which I think is a pretty funny phrase. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a nice way of saying it's sloppy, but it's cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we just have one more, which is moving on and up, uh, which we recorded mostly at Tommy's house. And it was kind of like, I think we got up. Fairfield, Iowa. Yep, in Fairfield. We got up and went to lunch and we came back and took a walk. And and then we, he like wrote out the chord chart and I polished up the melody a little bit. Um, Because I think I had, again, sent a pretty shitty demo to him that he was basing all of this off of. and uh, And I hadn't. Uh, there's a lot of these songs I had never played at a show before they got recorded. So it was kind of like just figuring it out as we went. But this one especially was like literally within an hour of when it was, when the final take was recorded was when it was finished being written. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you added that frosting on the, uh, second verse and the bridge kind of tied yeah. it together. Yeah. Um, those little guitar things. And then, and then the little harmony that I added was just like another instance of like, I would just sing that every time I heard it in the, or would listen to it in the car. And like that song made me weep a couple times. Oh. So I was just like, I feel like I really need to ask if I can do this, even though it's such a, um, it's such an intimate song, you know, like, so to add anything, I didn't want to like, I, I needed to blend with you basically perfectly Yeah. in my eyes. I was like, I don't want to even be heard. I just want to accentuate a little bit. If my mom's psychic was right. My struggles ends inside just three years It's long enough, I guess But it's not the best thing to count on Well, um. and I, I like that, you know, when I listen to that, even though I know this isn't what happened, I still feel like it sounds like it could be just the three of us in a room. Like, you know, you've, you're you like sitting with your guitar and a microphone and Tommy's at a piano and I'm just singing. Like, it sounds like it could be, you know, this kind of intimate trio thing. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I love the way that, you know, we were mostly you were able to uh integrate those overdubs in such a way that it that it doesn't feel like it belongs in a different space from the the tracks that actually were recorded in the same room like it it just fits very snugly in there thanks dude yeah um and i remember the microphones that we had at our disposal at tommy's house were top notch to record that piano and your vocal i think we had mm -hmm. we we're using those Neumann TLMs. Yeah, which are unforgiving at times, but also <laughs> uh, yeah. when, when you when you do a decent take, they they can be very flattering as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And you can definitely hear like the pedals on the piano creaking and stuff in there. It's very, very intimate. Yeah. I think I remember as well, like midway through recording that, that was like, oh wait, I hear a hum now. There was like something had turned on in the house Mm. and you know, we're in this like... Maybe like the heat turned on or something? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was the furnace or something, but uh, it was so low. But yeah, like you said, these mics are very unforgiving. I could just like, it was going to make a difference. So we had to find out whatever it was. It was downstairs. Yeah, my dad... uh, my dad used to have a couple of those, which we recorded with when we were hanging out in Creston back in the day. Mm. And mm. I remember when he would do recording sessions at his old house, he would turn off the fridge because like all, oh, yeah. all the way across the the house, you could hear the fridge mm-hmm. in one of those mics. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I definitely remember doing that. And well, when I lived at my parents house or even in clive like recording at the house of death Mm -hmm. yeah just running and unplugging the fridge and then forgetting after you're done recording and then your food is halfway thawed out (laughs) (laughs) that happened once or twice but well shit this has been a journey um is there anything else that you uh care to reflect on here um that maybe we haven't touched on any any fond memories that you have of working on the record um let's see i made a photo album in my phone of all of the times that i took a picture or remembered to at least mm-hmm. while we were recording and uh wound up finding like 80 photos holy shit i know you've sent me like maybe 10 of them and i use some of them in like posts leading up to the release and stuff but i didn't know there was that many that's crazy oh yeah we never we never really talked about um the other like the singles two songs that, yeah the singles that we recorded that's true in clive but that obviously didn't wind up on the lp but um those were some fun ass sessions too just like just you and i again but you were on bass mm-hmm. we did yeah that's right that's how we did uh the rhythm tracks for uh you're pretty attractive yourself yeah um was i just i just had i think it was just the p bass that you had in your in your little studio room there and uh and we were just cranking through takes of that song because once again you didn't have well you you might have had a demo but again it wasn't really like super solid and uh, it wasn't until the two of us were playing together that you were able to get the feel for what to do with it. And that song has like kind of a lot of time changes for a pop punk song. <laughs> yeah. Like the book ending yeah. parts are, I don't even know. What is that like in seven or something? There's like a bar. There is an odd meter. Yeah. Happening. I've never figured it out. I've never figured out how to <laughs> count that. I always count one two three one two three one two three one one two one two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's so. Whenever I'm trying to teach that song to somebody and, and they're getting flustered, I'm like, "Look, it's not that hard. One two three one two three one two three one two or something like that." And
they always give me a look like like I'm crazy, you know. Like I like what do you mean it's not that hard? <laughs> <laughs> but to me yeah. it it just makes a lot of sense. I don't know. And that that was kind of a funny like that's another one of those songs that goes all the way back to Creston, which is like, you know, 10 years before the it's it's release. But like I just I wrote that riff I think my first year at Swick and then I could never find a song to like get it to work with until mm. until I wrote the rest of uh you're pretty attractive yourself. Yeah. And then I was like, oh this this might work. It'd be weird, but it'd be cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of break it down that way. Yeah. No, that's rad. Um yeah, these sessions were so fun, man. I mean, I just remember being a little overwhelmed at times, like when we would have a full band or like even, yeah, if it was like me, like in the Ankeny sessions, for instance, mm-hmm. um, that setup was was more, I think I wound up bringing the Digio too, and we were just running more inputs and there yeah. was just more to pay attention to. But it was a lot of fun, pretty exhilarating to be like recording like playing drums, but at the same time being the engineer and making sure that nothing's peaking and like yeah, uh, it, it was it was a lot to pay attention to and actually it was like <laughs> a discovery going back home after those sessions and being like okay let's see what this actually turned out like because I don't even know you right because um, when you're not in but, a different room from the performance you can't really check the sounds and stuff like that yeah um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so a lot of it was just like set up and go and. Um, but man, it was very fun. Yeah. Had a great time making this record with you. Dude, same. And thanks so much for getting on the phone with me and reminiscing and going, going through with me. And hopefully whoever's listening to this will, uh, enjoy these sort of making of stories. And it's not just (laughs) some boring self-indulgent bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 